going on, man? What's happening? Happy uh, almost Friday, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for Friday, man. This uh, slow week, brutal week, man. I feel like it's been brutal for you on the carrier side based on your LinkedIn post for like the last yeah. three months. <laughs> I mean, like in, in the past 10 minutes, I had a truck get towed and we can't get it released. And I have like a different guy that canceled load on me. So happy Thursday to me, man. Happy Thursday. Well, I'm excited for this show. Um, I know we talked to Ryan yesterday on the agent recruiting side. And as you know, and anyone who follows me, I'm not a huge fan of most top 50 brokerages. Um, and I've got to know about Megacorp, you know, over the last couple months, and I've talked to people about them. And I, it's honestly probably one of the few top 50 brokerages I would actually recommend somebody work at. Um, so I was really excited, you know, that we could get Bronley on the show and talk about recruiting, talk about Megacorp. Um, I know you've had positive experiences with them on the carrier side as well. Yeah, I mean, like you said, out of, uh, you know, those bigger brokerages, um, over all the years I've hauled for Megacorp, I can't say anything bad about them, man. Like uh, everybody that works there is responsive. The loads are always fairly priced. Um, you know, I've had nothing, nothing but good experience with Megacorp as a carrier. So, yeah. And I, I should mention too, you know, I don't do any work with Megacorp. You know, we're not sponsored by Megacorp. This wasn't some promo thing. You know, if we have some <laughs> company on, like we actually like believe in what they do and, you know, we like to promote, you know, good companies and, you know, positivity, um, positivity as well. But um, yeah, unless you have anything else, should we bring a, uh, bring Bronley in and uh, you know, get going. Yeah. I mean, just with my views, man, over like four or five years of hauling for them, like this isn't sponsor and the guy just genuinely enjoy working with them. So let's, uh, let's bring her on. Let's go. How are you doing? Hello. How's it going? Oh, it's good. Getting back into the swing of things from the new year. Um, I'm excited. This is my first podcast ever. So we're excited to excited to have you on. We were just talking about that and, Know, learn about Megacorp. And um, yeah, I guess if you want to start, you want to just, you know, kind of tell us your history and how you got into logistics. We pretty much asked kind of everyone on the show that, and it's always kind of a cool story to hear. Yeah, no, and my story is actually kind of funny. Um, you know, I born and raised in West Virginia. So if you hear a little bit of a country twang, as they call it here in Cincinnati, that's why. Um, but I, so I went to WVU, West Virginia University after high school, um, went to school for a business degree, business management and marketing. And my end goal actually was I wanted to go to law school, like all throughout college. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and I knew I was going to graduate early, like a semester early, because I came in with 15 credit hours from high school. Um, and when I was getting towards like my junior year, I was like, you know what? I really wanted to go into family law, but I was like, I want to go get my MBA first because why not just have another degree under my belt? So my senior year, um, I got accepted into the MBA program at WVU while I was still, you know, getting my undergrad. Um, and then it just so happened. So one of my like last core senior classes there, I had to attend a, a career fair um, at WVU. And at the time, obviously, I wasn't looking for anything because I'd already got accepted in the MBA program. I was like, I know I want to go to law school. It's what I want to do. But as I was, you know, leaving the career fair, um, the Morgantown office recruiter stopped me, you know, and everything that she said about Megacorp just like spoke wonders to me. I've out of all the, you know, other employers I talked to, none of them really stood out to me like Megacorp. So I was like, you know what? Okay, like I could maybe do an internship since where I was graduating early, I basically had a semester off. I was like, I could do an internship with them um, just to get more experience. And then, 
you know, my love for Megacorp just blossomed, you know, from my start date. So um, I did my internship with them. And after about two months, I realized like, man, like I don't, you know, I can't deal with not being able to be here more than 10 hours a week if, you know, I do decide to go get my MBA. So fell in love with Megacorp, fell in love with recruiting and, you know, the company in general. So I decided to withdraw <laughs> my start date from the MBA program and then stay on with Megacorp full time. So after about six months of my internship, I was promoted to the corporate recruiter in our Cincinnati office. So I moved from our Morgantown office to Cincinnati and I've been there ever since. And I was telling Alex earlier, I'm actually about to come up on my two year anniversary here in a couple of weeks. So I'm excited. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh how was it for you, you know, going into the brokerage space? I mean, um, you know, coming fresh out of school, was it like, did you sit on the broker floor, or like uh, train any? I mean, obviously logistics is pretty, pretty hectic and, uh, you know, and, and crazy and fun in a good way. But I imagine that was kind of uh, interesting at first for you. Yeah, it was. It was definitely something I'd never, you know, had experience with, nothing I'd been exposed to. But that's what made me love it so much. The energy, the people. I mean, obviously I don't work in the actual logistics or broker side, but in the Morgantown office, I got to work like out on the floor with them and kind of hear their conversations, you know, hear um, how they, you know, book and schedule loads with carriers or how they're prospecting, things like that. But, you know, now in Cincinnati, I have my own office, so I don't hear that as much, but it was definitely very different. I mean, I had done, I believe, two other internships while I was in college, but one was for like car dealership. And I also worked in retail, so I'd never, you know, seen anything. But even working in retail, the energy and logistics doesn't even compare. So it's just funny because you're from West Virginia and you worked at a car dealership. You're like John A. Rogers. Like, that's like his exact story. Like. I know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, how is life, uh, it's a little off topic, but um, I've delivered like a bunch of uh, ATVs and stuff to Morgantown, West Virginia. How is it over there? Like, is it you know really small oh, town? Or? Morgantown is a very special place. Very, it's it. The people there are also what make it. I mean, it's a very it's a large business school, especially now. They just built a brand new um like brand new business complex and things like that, but. I don't know. The people there are super fun. I mean, they take sports very seriously there. If you are a, if you're not a Mountaineer fan or if you're a Pitt fan, good luck. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely, it's definitely a really special place. Like it, when you West Virginia, you'll always be home to me. But I love Cincinnati a lot too. So I see you guys out in the community a lot in uh, Cincinnati as well. You guys go to Bengals games and different, mm -hmm. you know, different events there. I mean, you guys have a pretty decent, decent presence in in Cincinnati, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, I mean, there's a lot of different things that I, you know, not only Megacorp and myself, you know, do within the community. Like, for example, um, there is a nonprofit networking group that I'm a part of, um, and we're actually partnering with them because they do a, a happy hour like every month. So we are sponsoring one for them, but it's called Emerging Leaders of Northern Kentucky. It's basically a nonprofit group that helps build, you know, leadership and development with other, you know, young business professionals in the area. We've worked with the Brighton Center, which is in Newport, our office, um, or where our office is. We kind of, it's a family support type of nonprofit. So with them, we've done like Thanksgiving and holiday food drives. Um, we also have worked with the emergency shelter of Northern Kentucky, which is basically a homeless shelter. So we, I, me personally, I've gone over with, you know, a group of megacorp people. We've either helped prepare or brought food with us to serve to all 60 to 70 residents that are in, you know, the shelter. 
um, and a lot of different things. But yeah, we do have a suite at the Bengal Stadium for you know customers and things like that and employees. But um, I'm out in the community a lot. I feel like. Yeah, no, that's good to get your get your name out there and you know and be be active for sure. How did MegaCorp? I think it's an interesting story how MegaCorp started. Uh, if you want to maybe give us some background on that. So, you know, for some of the viewers that don't know, Megacorp's founder was actually the founder of TQL. And I believe Bronley could tell us the story, but I believe he left TQL 2005-2006 to, you know, start start Megacorp. Yeah, absolutely. He did help found yeah. um, TQL, you know, and he, um, you were right with the timeline. He left around that timeline and he's founded Megacorp along with his wife in back in 2009. Um, with the, their true focus being on building, you know, long-term strategic partnerships with our clients um, and things like that. And we've grown tremendously in, you know, since now. Um, we now have over 700 employees, five different office locations. Um, we've hauled over a million loads for our clients. And, you know, we're kind of just getting started because we are actually planning on opening two more offices this year, one in Charlotte, North Carolina, and one in Charleston, South Carolina, which is really exciting. But he started it with his wife back in 2009. Cool. So you guys are you guys are getting all over that region now, with Charlotte, and uh, you know, staying in the Carolinas. It's a it's a fun region. Good weather. Uh, good good communities. I like the Carolinas. Oh, I do too. I love. I mean, I've only been to our Wilmington office twice now, I believe. Um, but both times I've went, like Wilmington is gorgeous. Um, it's, it's definitely a different type of area. There's a lot of tourists there, but I really like it. It's, it's, I don't know. It kind of feels like West Virginia too. Cause everyone down there, they're like homey and Southern. I don't know, but. Yeah, it's funny. I keep like the only thing I, I, I'm able to input here, like Wilmington, I send a lot of trucks there. I guess I used to, but, uh, is it nice over there? Is there a nice beach over there? How does it look over there? Oh, the beach. Yeah. It's. I mean, I personally like it. I think it's gorgeous. I mean, I've, I'll be honest, like really the only beaches I've been to are like Wrightsville beach in North Carolina. I've been to Myrtle beach, you know, in South Carolina. And then I've been to a few beaches down in Florida, but, um, Wrightsville is definitely a top beach up there for me. So, yeah. but I also I mean, haven't traveled a whole lot. It's a good freight city. I mean, obviously in the current market conditions, it's a little tough, but I mean, that's like, you can catch some really, really nice loads out there. And there's not like a lot of competition. There's not a bunch of trucks sitting down there. So. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of, uh, I, or I don't know if we have a whole lot of, you know, other competitors down there, but Cincinnati is definitely a lot different. There's a lot of 3PLs and logistics companies in Cincinnati. And kind of going back to, you know, the competition, you know, part of the reason I was talking about before we, you know, uh, before we brought you on is, well, I think Megacorp is kind of unique for its size. Um, you know, a lot of top 50 brokerages, you know, have unfortunately have comp plans where they pay five to 10%. They have strict non-competes, you know, their glass door ratings are absolutely, you know, terrible. And Megacorp is kind of, you know, which was interesting to me is kind of an outlier in that sense. Um, no, we can get into it, but I mean, you pay up to 35%. Commission, there's no non-competes. You guys, I believe, have a 4.7 stars on Glassdoor, which is pretty unheard of in the brokerage scene because not everyone's yeah. going to be happy. Um, so you want to kind of touch a little bit on, you know, kind of, so you guys are much different than, you know, any real big brokerage of your size that I've came across. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how you guys you know, built that and kind of the, you know, thought process you know, behind that. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that really play into what makes Megacorp so special. So special, And one of the top things is definitely our culture. And I know you touched on non-competes and things like that. I mean, you are totally right. You know, I know that there's most 3PLs, they do have non-competes, um, some longer, some shorter, but Megacorp does not have one. Um, however, we do have a one-year non-solicit on any of our current um, customers, but the main reason that we have that is just to, you know, protect our current employees' books of business that they've worked, you know, so hard to build. But, um, you know, even our CRO, Josh Entry, his feelings on, you know, having non-competes is, you know, they simply shouldn't exist. Um, you know, if a Megacorp employee does you know, decide to leave us, then we didn't really do our jobs as leaders, right? So we believe if we hire the right and best people, we provide them with exceptional training, um, pay our folks better than, you know, our competitors and ensure that they have all the tools and the terrific software they need to compete in our space and really treat them like family, then there's really no reason to leave us. But um, when it comes down to our culture, I mean, I know most logistics companies have very high turnover rates, typically between about 85, 87%, which is obviously not good. Um, and the biggest thing to apart is our sits extremely low, typically between eight to 10%. But, and I think one of the reasons why, I mean, we really invest in our people when it comes to training. Like, I think that, you know, I mean, every brokerage is different, but like for us, for example, like when we hire on a new broker, right, they go through a very extensive um training program their new hire training daily operations training sales prospect training which is in total about four to six months because again we want to guarantee their success and we also don't really believe in in you know mass hiring 50 60 salespeople a month and in turn you know since we don't mass hire we've never had a single layoff so I mean, I think from the carrier side that, that kind of shows because um obviously when you get into like the bigger brokerages um, I mean, for what I've heard around the LinkedIn space is like you shadow, you know, somebody that that's been doing the job for like a couple of weeks and then they're like, hey, here, go figure it out. But uh, I mean, every Megacorp like rep I've ever spoken to about a load, they always have all the details. Like everybody's always like on, on point. I've never called or emailed with Megacorp and felt like the person I was talking to was like not prepared to do their job, which um, I mean, that happens like a daily basis uh, with other large brokerages where they just kind of say like, you know, sink or swim type of attitude. So, I mean, hearing you guys have a four to six month uh, training phase, like that's obviously, obviously playing a big part in, uh, you know, the the quality that, that you guys have over there. Yeah, and especially, you know, with our brokers, if you think about it, you can't sell anything if you don't know how it works, right? And so that's why we put them through this very extensive training, you know, they have to learn the operations before we allow them to even go out and prospect and try to win freight, right? So like, for example, our new hire training, that's the first step, it's about two weeks. Um, you know, when our new employees join Megacorp, we immerse them in this two week long training course. Um, and then these two weeks kind of consist of both traditional like in-classroom training, learning more about Megacorp, um, our company, like what we do, our software system utilizations, things like that, and also active engagement on the sales floor. Um, and this program is kind of called our training roadmap, um, just to kind of provide continuing growth and um, education from the first day of their training all the way through their entire career. Um, and then, like I said, after that is when they go to their daily operations training um, to kind of learn how to support a sales team operationally, because we want to make sure that our account managers, which is essentially our brokers, um, understand exactly how to book, move and deliver freight before even landing their own customer accounts. 
And then they also go into their 90 day pre-sales program where they kind of get to experience live one-on-one -on -one coaching, not only with, you know, their peers that have found success, but also one-on-one -on -one coaching with our sales directors, um, just to ensure that our employees really have all the background knowledge they need to make successful cold calls, adding customers to their books of business um, and how to maintain those relationships. And the final step is then their sales prospect training, which is about a week long. Um, it's an in-classroom training where we teach them how the sales cycle works in this industry, you know, what they should be saying when they're prospecting or calling on shipping managers for different types of industries. And we let them sit in like actual live cold call sessions with some of our um, either veteran account managers or sales directors. So they can tell them what they did well, what they could have done better and things like that. So I think that our training is another thing that really solidifies um, success for our new employees and their development. Yeah, I mean, you guys hit me with that stat and then then heard it too. Like I didn't even know like 87% turnover rate like for brokers. That's like like I laughed. Like imagine you hire like eight, nine people and like one of them stays. <laughs> and it's true though. Like it's on average, most of them are between 85 and 87%. And like I said, that's what makes us so different, especially when I'm speaking to like candidates for all the different roles I hire from. I mean, being in Cincinnati, like I said, there's a lot of three PLs here and in turn, you know, some of them have maybe not heard the best things about logistics. And I always, you know, go through this conversation with them. I'm like, we are not like any other 3PL. You know, our turnover is extremely low. Eight to 10% is low for any company, especially in logistics. So. And I mean, especially in Cincinnati where, I mean, people can, I mean, truck drivers do it all the time where they start job hopping because they have a CDL yeah. and there's a billion carriers that, that they can jump around to. And I mean, in Cincinnati, that's like, I guess, one of the biggest cities uh, like that, you know, they can just go for one office. I mean, if there's no non-competes involved. Obviously, I, I think it's interesting, too, on like the, the training side, because it's, it's interesting to me. You know, Alex is not exactly always pro broker. If you guys see his LinkedIn and he's had, you know, only good experiences hauling with Megacorp. And there's another group, you know, a National Owners Operators Association, who's also very negative for the most part on brokers. And, you know, their owner had only good experiences to say about their president, I should say, about his experiences with Megacorp. There must be some training, I would think, at Megacorp that's going into, you know, driver communication and, you know, how to treat carriers well, because, you know, big companies get the opposite reputation, too, on LinkedIn, on social media for, you know, not being very pro carrier, taking advantage of carriers. And you know, I would think there, you know, there's probably some type of, you know, well training to have that, you know, culture. Well, I mean, know. I think when it comes down to mass hirings, like they said, they don't really do that. And I think yeah. the approach, I mean, from the carrier side, like if, if I'm calling a DAT, I would say, I mean, more than half of the people sound like, you know, they're, they're not exactly well equipped to be doing the job. Uh, maybe they're under trained. And it just comes down to like, you know, the, the, I guess like the monetary investment Megacorp is willing to put into their employees, because I mean, imagine if you hire, you know, 50 people and then you put them through four months of training before they start generating revenue. I mean, it's, it's hard, but then you have a company like Megacorp who's like, okay, we're going to hire a couple of good people. We're going to invest in them. We're going to, you know, keep our reputation good. And like you said, I mean, out of all the massive brokerages, like it's hard to think of one that's never had like issues, never had a bad reputation. And um, I mean, Megacorp is definitely one. Like you never see anything about Megacorp. And if you do, it's probably positive. So. Well, I, you know, and I love to hear that. And I, I also think, too, another key idea that really plays into it is that 
you know, us being a family owned privately held company, I mean, we build out teams here, all of our different teams and like all of our five offices can collaborate. I mean, I'll even see an email come in from, you know, one of our teams down in Jacksonville and they're like, hey, you know, we have all of our loads booked this week. Are there any teams up in Cincinnati that need help with anything? I think that's another thing that makes us so successful as well is because no matter what you're going through or no matter, you know, no matter what it is, you have a team, no matter where they are to help you achieve whatever you need. So I think that's another big thing to it. A friend of mine asked me to ask you, um, it's actually a good question because I couldn't really think of many things that where I fit in to ask this, but uh, what's like the day, you know, day in the life of a, of a recruiter? Like how does your, you know, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. type of day look? How do you get leads, um, you know, stuff like that? Yeah. Um, so it, it really depends. I mean, there's some days I'm a lot busier than others, but when it comes to candidates and things like that, I mean, most of my stuff, like when it comes to prospecting or sourcing candidates is done primarily on LinkedIn. So, you know, sometimes I will reach out to someone on there and if they're interested, you know, I'll do an info call with them. I mean, my days could look, I I could have maybe six initial teams interviews that day. If not, and say I have all my, you know, roles filled, then I'm building my relationships with our campus partners. So it really depends. I mean, I do cradle to grave recruiting, you know, from prospecting to info calls to initial interviews to bringing them in for office interviews and scheduling and accommodating all of that you know so it really depends but most of my um time is spent you know either prospecting sourcing doing those initials especially now that i'm actually helping recruit for our wilmington office um i'm going to be even more busy but i love it so so you would think you would say LinkedIn's like a you know a really really big tool for you and you know a really good place to to land jobs like uh, from your end. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, and I, we use other um, tools as well, no. like Handshake, but LinkedIn's definitely the biggest one for me. And I think too, like especially when it comes to students, right? You know, if you're speaking, if they're speaking to a recruiter that's at that company, the best way for them to see exactly what that company's doing. Um, if the employees really love it there, what types of things that company is doing to really keep their employees engaged. The best way for them to see that is through the recruiter and what they post on LinkedIn. I think that's why, you know, I'm so heavily, you know, involved on there. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn is definitely the tool I use more than any of the others. Yeah, I, mean, I, got, my, I got my current job on LinkedIn, just throwing that really? out there. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting you bring that up though, because like in this job market, you see a lot of companies just relying on like putting some ad on Indeed and having no, you know, presence or going on Monster.com or something like that. Um, you know, and I think a lot of the top talent—I don't know if you see this at MegaCorp, but a lot of the top talent is on Meg is on LinkedIn. They're not just you know applying to seventeen different job applications on Indeed. Are you seeing that as well? Absolutely. And that's actually one thing I look for. So like when I'm going, like say I'm prospecting on the LinkedIn recruiter side and I want to send someone a message about whatever role it is I'm hiring for, one of the top things I look for is if they're active and involved on LinkedIn. And it's because LinkedIn is so, it's it's grown so much in the past few years, especially like with colleges and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's, for me, it's the easiest and best way to really invest in and find the best candidates for Megacorp. Um, and also too, like I said, I use it a lot for kind of like marketing, like showing them exactly what we're doing, what we're doing in the community, 
what we're doing with our campus partners. Um, it's a good way for them to really see what makes Megacorp stand out, I think, you know, so because there's some that, you know, aren't maybe so active, but I think that that's what um, is easiest for me to really build relationships with my candidates. Like I can learn more about them before I even get on an interview just from looking at their LinkedIn profile. So do you see that a lot of the candidates that you're talking to know something about Megacorp previously, just because you guys, you know, you sponsored Brian Harmon, you know, mm -hmm. who won the British Open. You guys are very active posting on, you know, whether it's going to games or being at colleges. I mean, you guys are very active on posting. Do people know about you then more so you know, when you initially oh. reach out? Yeah, for sure. Right. Like now. Absolutely. I mean, I when I first started recruiting for the Cincinnati office, it was a lot harder, but it was also harder because I didn't know Cincinnati. I didn't know the area. I was recruiting remotely um, with another recruiter in Morgantown. We kind of helped do it together. But um, when I first started, we didn't really have a very large presence like at our campuses that we recruit from. Um, and I think that I've done a really great job on building relationships with all the campuses that we recruit from. I mean, we have the Megacorp Pavilion, which is a music venue right beside our office, which is, you know, <laughs> a very large thing. I see Megacorp and they're like, man, I saw that. Or I can't tell you how many times like this past um, career fair season when I did all of my career fairs, I had so many students come up to me about Brian Harmon, which I thought was really cool, you know, so we've definitely been able to make a name for ourselves in Cincinnati since I've How started. How does that work? Um, because I mean, I'm from Canada. I'm born and raised in Canada. Um, I mean, I went to school, obviously, what was this about 10 years ago, nine years ago, I was in high school. And I mean, first of all, nobody really pushes like manual labor, like plumbing and this kind of stuff, but like logistics, that's something like I've never heard of. And I think in Canada, they still don't do that. Like, I mean, how long have companies been kind of like, what do you guys do? You go to like job fairs at the universities and colleges and say, hey, like, you know, are you interested in this type of like of a career? Yeah, not only just job fairs. I mean, sales expos, um, the job fairs themselves, or even I'll do like, I'll have one, a couple of our different partners reach out to say, hey, can you do a mock interview session with our sales students? Or we also just did a um, sale, internal sales competition with UC um, for their varsity sales team. I mean, we've done a lot of different things, but when it comes to the career fairs, basically, I mean, there's all these different booths. Students can come up and talk to you. Um, and sometimes they know a little, bit, a little bit about logistics being in Cincinnati. Sometimes they don't. And, you know, I dive into that with them and it's really looking to see if they're interested in a career in sales or operations, you know, sometimes supply chain uh, majors don't really want to go into like the actual logistics broker side and the opposite side, you know, I get a lot of like marketing majors and sales and stuff that'll come up to us. But um, yeah, we just talk to them about Megacorp, see if it's something that's of interest to them. Sometimes they're only looking for an internship versus a full-time role, depending on what year they're in and things like that. But I mean, I'm thinking something, you know, that might be a good idea. I don't know if any brokerage actually does this, but um, I mean, do you guys have like any requirements to have university or college degrees or like, would you guys be open to people with just high school diplomas? So we do have that it's preferred. It's technically not required, but we do have that it's preferred in there. Um, I mean, that's one thing that we like to see is that they're very heavily involved on campus wherever they're at. Um, but just because that shows that they can set goals, that they are a natural yeah. born leader, that they care about their future and things like that. But it is something that we look, we look yeah, for now. Actually, just Go watching ahead. a movie and the guy was saying about university that uh, it doesn't even matter what you do at university. It shows your employer 
that you showed up somewhere for four years yeah. and, you know you got the tasks done for four years and if they hire you that you know you have a, a good likelihood that you'll represent them well and uh, i mean i, I kind of found that funny because it's not really about what you learn it's just proving that you were able to kind of go through it but Absolutely. i mean from my point of view like i mean i have high school only um and i feel like in this industry a lot of these skills are like they're not it's it's easy to learn hard to master type of thing and i feel like you know if you guys went to maybe some high schools you know and getting getting some people you know that might not end up in university but you know they could be good salespeople. um i think that this industry it's not really like it doesn't discriminate you know anyone can kind of learn and get into it um i like if i had this option if somebody went to my high school and was like hey you're interested in logistics like i mean that would put so many more people even if they're going to universities they'd at least have it in the back of their mind you know yeah no absolutely and i think that's definitely you know a good idea i mean i know that we've had in the past some students that like were seniors in high school that they had a either a friend or a family member that worked here and they've come and shadowed them for a day to see what the job looks like like what logistics really is in person and things like that now i can't say i've ever gone and spoken in any high schools however we do have um or we have had a partnership with um one of the with the fca here in cincinnati so we did like a banquet dinner with them over at the Bengal Stadium. And it was basically all high school students that were getting awards. Now it was more of a dinner thing, but um, like I said, most of my time is spent on our, you know, campus partnerships and things like that. But I, I just have never gone to a high school to really talk about it. But, no, but again, I'm still new to the Universities is cool because um, I mean, like I said, in Canada, I guess, I mean, I have some friends that are carriers from, from Canada, like Canada based and they do, you mm -hmm. know, cross border stuff. But um, I mean, I feel like like it's just a smaller country. We have much less people. Um, logistics is obviously just like a smaller community over there. I think it's just cool. I see on LinkedIn all the time. You know, you guys going to university you say, hey, like you want like it's it's what runs the country. And I feel like people don't even like it's like plumbing. I used to tell people like, you flush your toilet, you don't think where it goes. You know, you buy something from the store, you don't think how it got there. And it's just something that's so vital to the country that people aren't really like exposed to like people just see trucks on the road and they don't think like who got the freight how did it get in there who was responsible and there's so many people that were responsible for that one truck load you know i mean it's just cool to, to get to the the younger generation involved in it absolutely it's and it's so cool to see how much they can learn about logistics even just having a quick conversation with me at a career fair i mean and i kind of tell them you know some of the some examples of products we've moved and things like that. And they're like, man, that's so cool. Like I had no idea that, you know, companies like brokerages worked with the carriers and the ship, like they had no idea. So it's really cool to see, uh, you know, light bulb go off in their head. They're like, man, that's what you guys do. So, but we got our, our YouTube comment. We're not very, uh, uh, we don't have a huge following yet on YouTube. We're growing it, but uh, we got blazed with something off YouTube. Go, um, go Bronley. Yeah. <laughs> And we got Dan coming in with, you know, college doesn't make you, it doesn't mean much, but like he said, it means you're teachable, which, uh, I mean, that's Absolutely. a huge thing. Um, Cause I mean, a lot of people that don't go through university, um, you know, they might not be teachable and that university really shows, you know, like you were able to, to accomplish that. Absolutely. Going back to, to, you know, cause I think this kind of plays into the, you know, turnover rate, you know, as well. I mean, I think you guys are paying, you know, good, good salary. So it's, you don't get people that are like, Hey, I could go to this other logistics company and, you know, make X amount. Um, and a lot of that has to, you know, come from, you know, the leadership team and developing is that, was that kind of the thought process to 
pay higher because you guys honestly pay higher rates than anything I've seen of a top 75 brokerage. Yeah. How did, what kind of went into that comp structure and, you know, the, the idea, you know, behind that? Absolutely. Well, and, and if you think about it, you know, one thing that keeps our brokers motivated is that they can make as much money as they want to. I mean, they get their 35% commission um, off every single freight load they move, which is completely uncapped, but that's not only, you know, paying them fairly, but all the things that come into it to really build, you know, their career development with us. But I would definitely say that, you know, that's another thing that sets us apart with our competitors. Like we want to pay them more than our competitors because we want the best people. And if we're hiring the best people and, you know, we're not mass hiring, you know, all these people, then we have the budget to do that. So I would definitely say that that's kind of the background on that and kind of why we do that. But how does that come to from a, you know, cause a lot of companies, you know, they may have great people at, you know, your role, at your role, the recruiter low at the management level. But if you don't have like a strong, you know, leadership team who's setting these policies, setting, you know, setting the culture, I mean, it doesn't really matter, you know, what, you know, lower level management is doing if upper management is kind of, you know, screwing up for a lack of better word. So, I mean, can you maybe kind of talk about, you know, the involvement of, you know, Ryan, your upper management in Cincinnati. And cause I think that plays you know, a big role of a trickle down, you know, trickle down effect, um, if, if you will. Absolutely. I mean, our CEO is very big on FaceTime. So like when he comes to town, um, for whatever it is, we, like our holiday party or our award ceremonies, he comes in, he's out on the floor talking to every broker, talking to not only just brokers, but all of our employees, even our interns, you know, learning their stories. I mean, even with me, when I first met him, um, you know, and he learned about my story with Megacorp, he remembers it and he brings it up almost every time I see him, which is awesome to see that because there's some companies where you know who the CEO is, but you will never speak a word or, you know, see a light of day out of them. Um, so he really does that to build engagement with us and not only him, but like even our CRO and our president, I mean, they come to our new hire meet and greets when we have new employees come with us typically that week, like each of our new hire trainings, whenever that starts, we'll have like a new hire meet and greet where these new employees can kind of meet everyone in the office to help build relationships with them and kind of just make more friends and meet more people. They always come to those. I mean, when we have customers go to Bengals games, they're in attendance and they're there and present. And, you know, so I definitely think it's the engagement piece that they're really big on. Um, I mean, we can go to them for anything, any problems we have or any issues we're facing. Um, you know, I could walk into either of their offices and be like, hey, this is what's going on. Can you help me with this? And they, they'll do it. So I think that that's really what sets them up. They're just great people. Like I can't um, I can't explain enough how great our upper management and leadership board is. Yeah, um, that's. I think that reflects in the Glassdoor uh, reviews too, because some companies with a low Glassdoor review, it's off, often like the CEO and upper management is yeah. terrible. They keep changing the comp structure. They keep, you know, doing X, Y, Z. I've never seen the CEO. You see a lot of that from you know logistics, logistics companies. Um, you know, in, in that sense, in that sense as well. What are kind of some things you know? that candidates kind of going back to, you know, the recruiting side, what are things that candidates can kind of do in your opinion to, so I'm sure we have a lot of people who are looking for jobs that are watching this or, you know, interviews, what can candidates do to, you know, kind of stand out, you know, in your mind? Absolutely. There's a lot of things that I personally, cause I do a lot of interviews for a lot of different roles. I mean, that's literally what I do all day, but you know, big thing for me is they 
should always dress professionally for an interview, even if it is virtual. Like even if you you have sweatpants <laughs> on, have a blazer on and look nice, you know, just because you have to think an interview is your resume is your key to get into an interview, but your interview is should be the best version of yourself to you, that recruiter, that hiring manager. Um, I would also say, you know, to even get to that interview part, having a clean professional resume. So some of the things I see on resumes or some of the things I look for is, you know, they're having job achievements over tasks because, you know, I mean, you work in recruiting now. So when I get a resume and it has the title, I already, you know, most likely know exactly what they're doing in that role. So tell me what you've achieved there. You know, you've hit your 80%, whatever it is, you know, you really want to see achievements over tasks versus saying, you know, so-and-so I did this, um, having up-to-date information. So like having their most recent job history above their past history, um, strong LinkedIn presence, like I talked about before, um, having prepared, you know, uh, research on Megacorp and what we do. I can't tell you how many times, you know, back before when I first started recruiting for Cincinnati and we weren't, you know, I wasn't as big on LinkedIn as I am now, but I would get an interview and sometimes they'd be like, oh, you know, so what does Megacorp do? I was kind of just applying to a bunch of different companies. I don't really know exactly what you guys do. So having research on what we actually do and who we are as a company is definitely a plus. Um, positive energy and attitude. Um, I really like when they send like thank you emails, not only to me, but if they come in for an office interview, thank the hiring managers they met with and things like that. Um, but yeah, those are some of my big ones. And I'm glad you brought that up about asking asking questions because you know I, I think that's a, a big thing, you know, my whole sales career, you know, when I've seen people interviewed, talk to hiring managers, people in recruiting. That's one thing a lot of people you know, don't do is, you know, they get asked the questions, but they don't ask anything about the company. And, you know, I think it shows that you, you know, want to learn and you're, you know, at least have done, done yeah, your homework. I mean, if you don't Absolutely. have a single question, I feel like you just kind of don't care what happens next or like, you don't really like, you're not like, it just kind of seems like you're just looking, you know, for a job at that point. But I mean, yeah. if you have a few questions, it shows, you know, you're invested in, into the situation. Yeah, you know, you're totally right. I mean, when I, if they don't ask me any questions to me, I'm like, okay, well, they probably just had three other interviews today. They're just trying to find wherever we'll give them a spot. Um, and in yeah. my stance, you know, I ask questions all day long to people. So I love when I get them asked to me, especially like hard ones. Um, I actually love to get those, but if they don't really ask a whole lot of questions and in my mind, they're like, you know, they're just looking for any company that will be a placeholder for them. Um, so I always like when they come prepared with at least three to five, I would say, um, during their interview. And not only just their initial with me, but if you get past me and you get to meet with one of our hiring managers, you should have even, even better questions for them, you know? So what are, uh, what are some hard questions you mentioned? You like being asked a hard question, like what's a hard question that kind of sticks out, sticks out in your mind that you've been asked? Yeah. The, the hardest question I've ever been asked in an interview was one time and I couldn't even answer the question, to be honest. So I had a candidate. It was I believe it was for a broker role. It could have been operations. I don't really remember. But um, they had asked me if I could change one thing about Megacorp, what would it be? And I'm like sitting here like, man, like I've never had anyone ask me that before. And I couldn't answer because there's really nothing I would change. Like, I'm not just saying that, you know, I love being here. I would, you know, I would do anything for this company. You know, I plan on being here my whole life. So I couldn't answer that question. Um, but I also get a lot of questions about like what we do 
to develop leadership and growth, things like that. I also get a lot of questions about our culture since that seems to be a big thing that especially college students are looking for is that fun, energetic culture. Um, but yeah, that would probably be the hardest question I've ever been asked. Yeah, no, that, that is a good, uh, a good question. Yeah. Uh, how, how, I mean, in terms of, do you get, um, you know, you seeing more in the younger generation, you know, the college, college students that, you know, more people are caring about, you know, culture and things of that nature than maybe, you know, the millennial generation or, you know, older generations, like what they're looking for is, you know, different. Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, obviously every, no matter what generation they're in, they want to be paid fairly. So, and that just checks the box for us already. But two, I would definitely say the biggest thing is culture, especially now coming out of COVID and now that a lot of companies are back in office and students know that, you know, they're planning their careers ahead of time, um, especially if they're about to graduate this May, like most of them, well, not most, I'd say about 60% probably already have jobs lined up. If not, then they're looking for a place with that fun culture, because if they know if they're going to be, you know, in that office 40 hours a week, they want to be somewhere where it's fun. They can be friends with their coworkers. But I would definitely say culture is the biggest thing that I see that candidates are looking for, along with benefits, too. Do you guys have like, uh, you know, the, the classic ping pong table and stuff like that in the office? So on our, we have two, in our Cincinnati office, we have two floors. Um, on our fourth floor, we have, it's called like our indoor tap room. Um, so it's basically used for like entertainment for if we have customers and for our employees for like lunches and things like that. But so there is a golden tea box and stuff like that in there. Our, you know, our guys in here love it. I'm personally not a golfer, so don't put me on that. But um, we also have, we do have a ping pong table, like a Pac-Man machine, two different like little arcade games. And now we have a shuffleboard, so. Yeah, 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 a little more than the ping pong. I, I think the reason Alex brings that up is there's a, you know, there's always jokes on LinkedIn yeah. that a brokerage is culture is based just on having a, a ping pong table or having you know, but, X, Y, Z. But I mean, I, mean, I think guys, that's like kind of brutal, like assumptions, though. I mean, I get where people are coming from, where they're like, if that's the selling point, like, you know, if Megacorp was walking around saying, hey, come work here because we have a ping pong table. Yeah. I think that's the issue. Like, dude, if I went to an office, I mean, I used to work as a plumber, so I didn't like my office was just to go grab material and leave. But I mean, if I worked in an office and, you know, I had some downtime, like we all do in logistics, eventually all your like load, you're, you're just in tracking mode, no matter what you do. Eventually, at some point, you you know, everything's done. I'd love to go play some ping pong or, you know, pool. I love pool. Like if I had a pool table in my office, I would love that. So I don't know why it gets, you know, such a bad rap. Other I think than, it's the point that it's only, only it's that. Selling is point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's selling that's point. your only selling point, you know, then you're going to pay people like 5% and $40,000 <laughs> a year, yeah. but you have a yeah. ping pong table and you have a 2.8 star on glass door. Like that's all you're having to sell. You might be in some trouble. I think that's what the joke is, you know? <laughs> that's, yeah. I, that's why I don't even bring it up. Like our, like our whole game and tap room because like in my interviews, like, unless I'm talking about the culture and some of the, you know, they ask about the culture and some of the events that we do for employees, I don't bring it up. Now, if yeah, they make it past me and they come into the office for their office interview, I mean, they can see that. And I've had people like I brought in to give them a little bit of a tour before they shadow and do their interview. And they're like, 
jaws to the floor. I'm like, well, you know, I don't bring this up because we don't want you to like, we don't want yeah. people that are only going to be there for that. that like, that's, like the, you know? the cherry on top of a good deal, not like mm -hmm. you know, the base, the ice cream of, of the deals. So. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. So how is it, um, you know, when people, when people come in too, do you think the, you know, atmosphere, um, you know, plays, plays into, you know, your, you know, getting good candidates, you know, when they come in for that in-office interview. And obviously if you go into an office and everyone seems sad, every, it's super quiet, there's no energy, doesn't bode well for your, for your company. But if you, you come in and everyone's positive, you know, laughing, you know, obviously afraid is stressful, but you know, does that atmosphere do, you know, like people, when they come in, they walk around and you'll know, see kind of you know, what the energy level is. Absolutely. And I've actually heard feedback from people that we've hired that they were like, man, you know, my initial with you only went really well. Like it already had me interested in Megacorp. And then when I came into the office, that just solidified the deal of that's where I wanted to be. And that's kind of why, like when they come in for their office interview, we let them for the first 30 minutes shadow with an existing account manager. So one of our existing brokers, just because even me, you know, explaining all the job benefits and everything it entails over an interview that doesn't really give them a firsthand view of it, of like this job. So that's why we let them shadow with an account manager, not only to see kind of what we do firsthand, but also to get a feel for our fun and energetic culture. So they know I'm not just lying to them over an interview. Yeah, um, I mean, that's like really, really cool idea because I mean, I did a lot of job interviews. Um, I mean, I moved around pretty recently about half a year ago. Um, I mean, I guess it's close to a year by now when I was like really needing a new job. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I'd ask them the questions, you know, what brokers don't use you this, this and that. No, not once did anybody ever say. And I said, like, I'll come like I usually offer like when I want to move companies, if I move companies, I'll say, hey, I'll come work a day or two for free or, you know, I'll work from home for a week for free even because I want to know how is your your company? How is your coworkers? How are your systems? How's your MC number? Not once has anybody ever said to me, hey, yeah, you can just go like go chill with a dispatcher for an hour to see how things really? are. Not once has somebody said to me, oh, that's, that's cool. Hey, if you want to go, it's always like you get in the room, you talk for 30 minutes and we'll call you or you're hired. Or, I would love if somebody told me, hey, yeah, if you have, you know, an hour or two or, you know, if you have today, just go go find somebody, go hang out with them. Like that's yeah. a good representation of what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had people that even weren't like directly in the middle of the interview process, but they really just wanted to come see it. Like even students, especially like, oh, you know, I'd love to just come shadow. I will get that set up and let them come shadow. They can shadow with two different teams if they want. I mean, and we do that because that's what really helps them see firsthand who we are, who our teams are, who our people are, um, and what this job really is. So I have definitely seen that it's been successful with us in scheduling shadows and interviews that way um I, that's very shocking to me to hear that you like no one's told you oh you know you can just come in well, i mean to, to be honest like um the the carrier culture is pretty toxic so like i think if people let people like in the office to some of the offices i've interviewed at like i think if somebody let me go sit with someone for an hour i just like would have not wanted to work there so i mean you have to have like a good company and a good culture to, to be able to yeah some companies don't do want it yeah, it would be a negative if some of these companies let me go sit down for an hour. Like, but um, I mean, what percent of like fresh, never worked a day in logistics are you hiring or Megacorp, I guess? Is, like, are you guys hiring mostly fresh and training them from the ground? Or are you guys hiring, you know, mid-range experienced people, et cetera? 
Most of them, like for our new brokers, most of them are, you know, entry straight out of college, or if not, you know, they were one to two years out. They've been in the workforce for one to two years. Um, but it depends on the role, you know. So most of the time, yes, and especially now we are growing our internship program um, and things like that. So we'll have interns come on with us either during spring or summer or fall. Most of the time they fall in love with it and they want to either stay on with us or they want to come on as soon as they graduate. Um, and I think that's really what has built our name here in Cincinnati is all the things that we do for, you know, UC or UK or Miami University in Ohio. Um, that's really what has built our engagement with people wanting to work here. Not only just students. I mean, even with our partners, like they'll send over, hey, you know, I know this girl from, you know, so and so she's worked with, you know, X, Y company for so long. I think she'd be a great fit, you know, so. It's most of it is a lot of entry level. However, it again, it varies by role. I mean, logistics, it's like when I sat down my first day in logistics, I like because I, I was a plumber before manual labor background. And my first day I sat down and I, like within the first hours. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do probably for the rest of my life. I mean, you, you have just so much more freedom. And I mean, it's not like a stuffy office environment usually. I mean, I think if you bring somebody that's in college that's never worked a full time job yet, if you just bring them into logistics, like a lot of people are going to enjoy, you know, uh, the chaos. And it, it takes a certain type of person, but, you know, those people that enjoy it, they're really going to enjoy it. And they're going to say, yeah, OK, let me start tomorrow or let me grab my degree to make my parents happy and I'll see yeah. you in eight months kind of thing. Do you see so. a lot of people hanging out? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you would have told me five years ago. Uh, we got some connections. Oh, sorry, Matt. I think you cut out there. No, you're uh, thinking like for whatever reason you were like yeah. froze. Sending out, sending out too many Raycons at once, man. Everything's getting booked uh, right after lunch. <laughs> I think there's some kind of de some kind of delay happened. I'm not sure, but go ahead, Bronley. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, you're good. I mean, if you would have told me five years ago I would be recruiting for a 3PL in Cincinnati, I would. I've literally told you you're on your mind you know i come from a very large family all four of my sisters and both my parents are back in west virginia um and if it weren't for me you know coming into megacorp doing that shadow coming in as in a recruitment intern and really seeing everything that goes into this company you know that's what solidified me wanting to be here you know for the rest of my life is you know doing that that's why i always tell students like take the internship take as many experiences as you can, because sometimes you never know what you truly love until you actually do it. Like I didn't take any recruiting classes while I was in college. I was a business management and marketing major. So and I, I would have had no idea that this company and my job is what I'm so devoted to and what I'm so passionate about if I wouldn't have taken the internship. So. Uh, speaking of that too, do you see a lot of people, um, you know, from Megacorp that, you know, they hang out outside of work, you know, there's friendships that are developed in the office and, um, you know, have you made a lot of friends outside of you know, work kind of from Megacorp? Do you see that a lot there? Yeah. Oh, I mean, listen, I tell this story a lot. So like, you know, this past summer for my birthday, you know, I've thrown plenty of surprise birthday parties for my college roommates or for any of my friends and things like that, but I've you know never had one thrown for me. I'm not complaining in any way, shape, or form. But this is how close you know we are out you know on the floor and in Megacorp. So they threw me a surprise birthday party this past summer, um, and I like literally was in tears because I'm like that's 
that's how close we are when it comes to being friends inside and outside of work. Like it's the type of people, if I have a flat tire, you know, 30 minutes down the road, I could call someone at Megacorp to come help me and they'll do it. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, that's another key piece about Megacorp is being able to be friends inside and outside of the office. Because if you think about, you know, our employees and how much they're here, you know, work's a lot more motivating when you're actually friends with the people you work with versus coworkers, right? So that's kind of why we establish this culture and what we do, because we truly are, you know, a mega family like that, not to sound cliche, but we mean what we say. So, yeah. I mean, my first boss that I ever worked with um, in a full-time role, but that was a crazy job. We worked Monday to Saturday, so we only had one day off a week. And those were like, um, you know, the day could be six hours or 18 hours just when the job gets done. And my first boss told me, like, you got to, like, enjoy the people you work with because you're probably going to see them more than your the people you want to spend your time with your family, et cetera. And um, I think, you know, a lot of people, like, we've had that shift uh, coming in the past, I don't know, like, one, two, three years where people are leaving better paying jobs for, for better company cultures and less stress and I mean, like money is not always everything, but if you can offer, you know, a competitive and higher than average pay and you can offer, you know, a, a good work environment, that's like the, the recipe for success. I know. Absolutely. I mean, that's because I'm not a morning person whatsoever, but <laughs> what makes it so easy for me to get up and get ready is that I, I don't even feel like I'm coming to work. I mean, I do, but I'm so close with everyone out on the floor that it feels like I'm coming to, you know, just see my friends. So I think that that's another thing that's really motivating, especially for like college grads, since they're looking for, you know, in-person office jobs now, and they don't want to just be miserable around the people that they're with day to day, you know? So. How, uh, how is that in the sense of a recruiter? You talked about not being a morning person. How long can the days be in, in, in recruiting for you? Because I, I would think, you know, a lot of people might have active jobs or be you know, college students, maybe communicate, you know, four to seven Eastern or in the later part of the day. I mean, is it a long, you know, a long grind, um, you know, on the on the recruiting side, just, you know, just with all Absolutely. the different areas? Yeah, it is. Now, does I does it have to be? And do I have to make it that way? No, but I do that because I know that my candidates, whether they're still in college or they're not, like they have a life outside of, you know, whatever they're doing. I mean, they have classes if they're a student, you know, if they're, you know, a candidate that's already that's with another, you know, employer right now, like they're working. So that's why I keep like my work and personal all on one phone so that if I have candidates or, um, any of our like upcoming new hires, like they need something, like they can reach me anytime. As long as I'm like truly bu like busy or don't have my phone on me, I'll always answer them. But I will say I do get a lot of communication and a lot of questions like after five, but that's totally fine because again, I understand that they have a life outside of trying to find, you know, or trying to get in into a career with us. I'm sure that gives you a leg up in the recruiting yeah, is answering things after five o'clock. Cause I would think a lot of companies, you know, they get a message at, you know, six o'clock, you might not hear back for another 24 hours or, you know, sometimes you hear candidates complain about the communication of the hiring company. And I would think that would give you a, a leg up in recruiting. Oh yeah. I mean, like I said, not only do I keep, all of it together on one phone and I give my candidates my that cell so they can if it's something urgent they can call text me or they can email me whatever's easiest for them and I take my laptop top home with me every night too just in case you know something you know big happens that someone needs help with like I can do it so 
it, it does set, I think, set me apart too. I've even had people tell me that they're like, man, like, thank you for, you know, following up with me so quickly. Like, I don't get that very often. I'm like, well, maybe I'm different. I don't know. But I also love what I do. And, yeah. you know, I love working with my candidates. So yeah, that's the thing. You have to really enjoy what you do to be able to, to be that kind of person. And like Matt said, it just puts you like a leg ahead right away. I mean, I had a recent example the other day, I think yesterday, the day before, where I had the manager of this brokerage division tell me like, oh, this issue happened after 5 p.m. The broker's not responsible anymore. I'm like, bro, is that like really like, like, is that like really your, it's not like it was 10 p.m. at night. It was like 5.15. And they're like, oh, well, the broker was at home. Like, we don't, we're not responsible for answering past five. And I was like, that's kind of brutal. brutal yeah, how do you train your your brokers and how do you give them an you know, an understanding that, you know, especially if they're cradle to grave, you know, that was the rep I was too. I mean, depending if you have West coast customers and you're in Cincinnati, I mean, you're going to kind of have to work a little bit after five o'clock, you know, how do you, you know, you guys portray that pretty well to candidates of what a day you know looks like in logistics? Yeah. I mean, I'm very upfront and honest with them about, you know, this industry and what it takes. Like it's a very rewarding industry. It's a very, fun industry too, but it is a grind. And I make sure that they understand that this isn't your typical eight or nine to five, no, off the job, you know, it's, it's, and it's not, and if that's something they're looking for, then obviously this is not, you know, the opportunity for them. Um, and I, again, if I wasn't honest about that, then we would be hiring the wrong people and we're not. So, I, you know, I think that there, there might be people out there that maybe sell that in a way where they don't really believe that that's what they're getting into, but that's something I will always be honest about because again, we want to invest in the best people, the people that are going to be there for their customers and for their carriers, no matter what it is. Now we do have a night and weekend dispatch team. Um, we're very lucky that we have that. I don't think it, not every 3PL has a night and weekend dispatch to kind of help, um, you know, help our brokers outside of hours. But, you know, that's, that's a big thing that I go into with them to make sure that they understand the grind and what it takes. I mean, you can be very successful. You can make a lot of money in this industry, but it is a grind. So. And you guys start off to like strictly cradle to grave, right? Which I think is, is interesting. That's how, you know, I was, and, you know, you're seeing a lot of companies go to the split model and saying it's very hard to scale, you know, as cradle to grave. But if my understanding is correct, Megacorp, you stay cradle to grave until you're up to a certain portion, and then you can. Megacorp helps hire a carrier, you know, sales rep. If I'm understanding your guys's process, you're talking about like how we build our teams. Yeah. So essentially, yeah. So once that you know they start cradle to grave, you know, after they get through all their training and everything, and they first go out on their own to build their own book of business with us, you know, really what we do is once that they reach a certain point where we see that that about. 80 to 90 percent of their day is being taken over by operations so booking and scheduling loads negotiating rates with drivers things like that that's when we actually hire on what's called an operation specialist for them to support their team um, and, and support their growth so because if we didn't do that then they'd be stuck with you know dealing with the same you know not or not being able to build their book of business because they don't have the time to do so and you know their job in turn is to really not only handle operations but it's to you know, bring in new business through Megacorp and also maintain those relationships. And they can't do that if they don't have the operational support. Do you have some people then who have been there for a while that, you know, have 10 operation supports because they're, you know, their business has grown over you know 10 years and kind of just have a large, you know, large team? 
Yeah, we do have some very large teams, you know, almost up to that size um, or about that size. And we also have some very, you know, smaller teams, some with maybe one operations or there's some people that are still in the um, spot in their career where they're, you know, aiming to get that operations specialist. But we have teams in a lot of different sizes, but it really de like depends and varies. Very cool. Well, um, I, I, I think um, I'm trying to think there was another question I was going to was going to ask you, oh yeah, this, we've kind of going back a bit, but I mean, you hear, you know, a lot of different stories, you know, on the, on the recruiting, recruiting trail. I mean, do you have any good, you know, any good stories, you know, from people who came to Megacorp and have been there a while or and just any, you know, positive, you know, stories you've heard or, or seen, um, you know, that maybe you'd want to share with, share with the audience. Cause obviously you see a lot on the, on the recruiting side. Absolutely. You, do, we, do you mean like stories of how they came to Megacorp and things like that, or just their overall background or? Yeah, I guess either both. I mean, you see some cool people who, you know, maybe came out of the blue, you know, how they found Megacorp and then, you know, their success yeah. or, you know, I, I guess either way, just, I just yeah. cool stories in general on the recruiting side. Yeah, probably one of my favorites is actually, so while I was, and this is crazy because, you know, I'm here in Cincinnati now and I went to WVU, but so while I was a student at WVU, um, I was also, I believe it was either my sophomore or junior year, I was a Chambers College peer mentor. So the Chambers College is essentially their business school. So I was a mentor for about 30 students. I was kind of like a teacher's assistant. I was, I would help like do um, different lectures. I would help them with their scheduling, how to be you know, involved on campus and things like that. Um, we actually had a broker that was hired um, about a year and a half ago. And she had come from, so the professor that I taught for knew her somehow and sent her to me. And now she does extremely well in this industry. And if I wouldn't have been, you know, that peer mentor and done that for that teacher for that semester, like that, you know, connection would have never happened. Um, and she's, you know, so it's just, there's a lot of different stories. That's probably one that really sticks out to me. Um, we've had some people come from different, you know, different types of industries, whether it's staffing or, um, even manual labor. I mean, we have people from all different types of industries because like I said, we don't technically require a major. It is preferred and something we look for or not a major, but a, a bachelor's degree, but we don't require a specific major. I mean, we have people in here with biology degrees of all things. So, um, and they love it. It's just, it's getting them used to logistics and up to speed with what we do. No, that's a cool, cool story to see. It's always cool to hear how people found, you know, a particular company and, and where they came from. So it's a small world. I know it, 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 that's probably the best one that sticks out to me just because it's like, being for WVU, I mean, it's, it's crazy, you know, so, but. I think this is kind of off topic, but I, I had to bring it up because I, I thought this was pretty cool. Um, and it kind of goes into culture too. Um, yeah, no, we were talking a couple months ago about how a couple of you guys, maybe six or eight of you guys went to the Gauley River, which I've been oh. to West Virginia and like is one of the most insane, like rafting, rafting rivers out there. Um, so, and that was kind of a fun experience. So, I mean, those are kind of some of the things you guys, you know, do at, you know, Megacorp, you know, Megacorp as well, right? Yeah, I think that that experience, like that actual, that whole trip is like the definition of team bonding because it feels like, because have you done, I don't think you've done the Upper Gully, right? You did the- No, I did the New River and I fell out. New River. Was, 
I said no. <laughs> I said yeah. no to it. Yeah, at least know how to swim. Like, yeah. well, you have a life jacket, but it's it's uh, really intense. It's fast. Like, it's if you fall out at specific like, parts of those rapids, I mean, that could be the end for you just because of how fast they're going, where they go, like all the undercuts of the rocks and everything. The funniest part about this story, though, so we had two rafts, right? Two megacorp rafts. And, and it just so happened to be my raft. We get to the halfway point of the gully. So we're past all the class five and above rapids, but we still have a lot of class fours to go through. But when we get to the halfway point to have lunch, so our raft guide literally goes, so thank you guys for being my first commercial trip. You know, I, I think we did really well. And I'm like, look, I'm like looking around, like if you would have told me that before we got on, I wouldn't have gone on this thing. I would have been standing on the sidelines watching, you know, so it was definitely really it was really nerve-wracking for me i mean i'm a very good swimmer but i had never done any type of rafting and they ask us that like if you guys because they prefer that if you raft the either lower or new river before that i hadn't done any of that and as soon as i told her no she was like oh gosh okay well this is going to be you know exciting i guess but it was definitely really cool to do that with mega four people i mean we were helping each other out if someone was about to fall out we were grabbing them by their life jackets and pulling them back on on the raft that's why i said that's team bonding to a t right there well i also, literally have like identical not, go back go yeah i was I'll gonna say you. if someone's not paddling correctly the whole boat can turn over so you do have to have teamwork oh, so I have, how many just, people are on the boat at once yeah, so I believe, I mean, it depends on the size of the raft. I believe you can go up to eight. I could be a little Jeez. bit wrong. I could be wrong. So like but one person can flip the whole thing. Yeah. So we had on my raft, we had six and then plus our um, raft guide, so seven total. Um, but yeah, I mean, and there's like, and plus the week that we had gone, like there had been some crazy things happen that week. So it was definitely nerve-wracking but i would do it again in a heartbeat i mean it really was fun as long as you listen to the guide and you're paddling the right way you don't go into the middle of two rocks and just get you know it was definitely scary but i would do it again i would highly recommend yeah i mean i have uh, a very similar story not about rafting but um like you said you're a strong swimmer and it's fast we have a river over here and i'm, I'm from canada we don't have much moving water and i i honestly hate open water i don't swim like like I've been <clears throat> through Europe to a couple of seasides now, and I think on combined three countries, I've been in the, the sea for like four and a half minutes. Like I'm just terrified of fish. Like I don't like going out in really? the water. Yeah, it just scares me. I don't know. Like that's their home, you know. It's it's not ours. So, but long yeah. story short, I have a river here, and I tried like um, I went with two of my coworkers. They're like, hey, you never went inside it. You lived here two years or one year. Let's go. Like, and they're big guys. Like I'm big. They're, they're bigger than me. Like they used to play one actually had scholarship to play for florida university for a couple of years like seven feet tall i'm like i guess if i'm gonna go with anybody into this river like it's probably these two guys are my best option and they were my co-workers at the time and i remember they said okay we're gonna start here you just float down and then at a certain point i'm like okay i'm just gonna go you know swim swim to to the land i started swimming as hard as i can it's like a treadmill like i started panicking i was like oh like i'm not even moving at this point like so yeah I and mean, that's that would probably freak me out, but I, I actually genuinely love the water. I mean, I actually, I was a competitive swimmer from, you know, like five years old all the way up into high school. I even swam at the AAU Junior Olympics. So I've always loved the water, but I also grew up, you know, my dad would take us tubing out on Tiger Lake in Grafton, like throw us off going 50 miles an hour to show off <laughs> the boat clubs down there. So like I've grown up around water my whole life. Um, 
And even when we were on the rafting trip, like we, there's this part like towards the end of the trip where you can jump off this like 20 foot rock. Hell and like, yeah, they were like, who's all getting off to jump? I was like, me, get me. The, I want to be the first person up there to go off this thing. And they're like, really? Like I'm the only girl on the trip. So um, yeah, I think Corp is definitely like wild with that idea, man. That's like crazy team building. Like our team building, we went like played paintball. Or I think one time we played like soccer tournament in 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 company soccer. They're like, that's not like life threatening type of situations. Like, see, that's the thing too is I mean I like, granted, as long as you do everything right, you're totally fine. Like it's really not as bad. Like once you actually do it, I think that a lot of these rap guys and people hype it up even scarier than what it really is, just because they want to make it such a thrilling experience. But now that I've done it, like when I was done, I was like, man, really, like. There were some parts I was scared I was going to fall out and whatnot, but you know it's really not as bad as what people say it is. I, mean, so. I think Megacorp just takes like a, a unique approach to, to everything. I mean, they're they're taking on like much more complicated team buildings that'll actually put you together as a team. And I mean, your guys' pay structure is different. Your your training process is different. And I'll go back to you know where we started. Like Megacorp, in my opinion, is a fantastic brokerage. And I mean, you guys are clearly doing things differently than than other people are. And I mean, the results just kind of speak for themselves. Like Matt said, your guys' last door reviews. And I mean, just me as a carrier, like I've hauled for over four years for Megacorp and I've never in one load that I've done thought like, oh, this broker at this company is not good. I've never thought that once, which is, you know, that's hundreds of loads over the years. Man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and we believe that happy employees truly are the best employees. And that proves itself with us each and every day. And no matter what the role is or what team they're on or what department they're in, that's why we're such a great functioning unit because we all care about each other. We care about all the departments that are within Megacorp. We look out for one, one another, even when it comes to rafting on class five rapids, you know? So it's just, that's probably the biggest thing too, is that, you know, there's been times I've gone out to help, you know, our brokers with something if they need, you know, whatever they need done, even if it's after hours, whatever, do I have to do that? No, but like, that's, that that's the extent of how we how much we care about one another i mean i think like from personal experience when you treat employees you know like better and you pay them better they're more willing to go above and beyond i mean like when, when you're giving people like the bare minimums they're gonna do the bare minimums but when you show an interest and you go above and beyond from from the leadership then you know people are gonna follow you like there's a difference between a boss and a leader. You know, the boss is just there to, to point people around and delegate, but leaders, you know, they shine from the front and you guys obviously have, you know, like a good compensation structure. You believe in people there. And if people are, you know, they feel like they're believed in and they're, you know, supported, they're, they're going to be willing to, to do things that aren't, you know, in their job description, you know, for the, for the sake of the team. Absolutely. It's funny you bring that up because that's actually one question i typically ask candidates in interviews is you know what do you personally think makes a good a great leader like what does it take to really gain um respect and trust being in a leader role and when they come and bring that question back to me i always say that there's a fine line between a boss and a leader right the boss is that that type of person that's going to sit there and you know dictate or delegate tasks on others where they one don't want to do it or two they secretly don't know how to do it and they're afraid to say that whereas <laughs> the leader will actually you know jump in uh you know get their hands dirty and help the team achieve whatever goal it is they want to get or help them you know get over whatever type of obstacle they're trying to get over i think that's really what sets a leader apart from a boss i mean there's been times where our directors will hop on a prospect or customer call to help 
build that relationship no matter what time it is, no matter what day it is, like they will do it. And I think, again, that's what sets, you know, a boss and leader apart. So. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, was there, is there anything else, you know, it's been a fun conversation. It's kind of flown by. It's hard to believe we've been on for. I know. Hours. I've been waiting to bring this up for like, I don't know, 40 minutes. I, I had, to, I have to do it. Like it's, it's just, it's crazy, bro. It's crazy. It's not my backdrop. I'm at a. Hey, oh, but, you had a wallpaper. <laughs> but you had a cat walk past you. I love cats, man. Like I have a cat. Like, that was a cute cat that walked past you. Well, I switched my background from earlier because you said there was too much, uh, too much light. But um. <laughs> hey, it's okay. My girlfriend told me this shirt. She she was like yelling at me the whole time I was buying this shirt. She told me it's so ugly. You can't buy it. You look like you're 80 years old. I was like, yeah, I love this shirt, man. It's, it's a nice shirt. But, so I mean, to each their own taste is you know beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So yeah, Josh commented the wallpaper is sick. Um, we didn't put I up. I like the wallpaper. I don't think it's the end of the end of the world. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the start, at the start. Yeah, yeah I remember. <laughs> I mean, it's it's unique, man. I mean, you went from the pictures, then you try. He tried to be outside on one of the shows, and his neighbors told him he was being too loud. <laughs> Your neighbor did. I don't remember exactly exactly which show which show uh, oh, that was. Weeks, that was, but. Um, but no, it was a it was a it was a fun show. And yeah, is there anything else you uh, you know, you want to add, Bronley? I think we've touched on you know most most everything. Is there anything you think we've uh, you know, we missed or you want to talk about? No, I mean I just really wanted to thank you, you know, thank you guys for letting me be on here, and Matt for reaching out to me on LinkedIn. I mean I I get to talk about MegaCorp and how much I love this place every day to candidates, but it's different being on a podcast. I've been like this is my first podcast ever, so. Um, I want to thank you guys for letting me be on here and talk about this company that I've grown to love so dearly and, you know, everything that we do at Megacorp to make this place so special for our employees. So, yeah, thanks for coming on. And I wouldn't be surprised too. generally when someone comes on one podcast, then the next couple months they get asked to do another one. So I wouldn't be surprised if someone messages you after seeing you on here. So. For your first podcast, I mean, I've already enjoyed working with Megacorp, but you did a really good job kind of explaining and highlighting, you know, what sets Megacorp apart, what is kind of behind the success uh, of them and, you know, giving people, I mean, me specifically, but whoever's going to watch this too, like a great understanding of what is behind, you know, the, the success Megacorp has. And I mean, now when I see you guys on load boards, I'm going to be even more confident to say, yeah, I love those people. You know, they're treated well. They're all happy. Like, I'm going to call them. They're not going to yell at me. They're not going to sound sad and depressed. So, yeah, no. And I, again, I've actually had candidates tell me, like, in the middle, like, either after or in the middle of their interview, they're like, man, like, I've never met with someone that's so passionate about their job. And I'm like, I could sit here and talk about Megacorp all day. Like, I truly could. So, and I, I think that that's a very large piece that plays into it because when candidates are talking to a recruiter, if that recruiter seems miserable at the job where they're at, they're obviously like, that's not a positive place or where I want to be. So, you know, but mine is genuine and pure. I truly do love Megacorp with everything I have. Um, and I just feel very, very lucky and blessed to be here every day. I, mean, I think that's the thing in logistics when you get past, you know, when you blow past an hour timeline and you get into like, you know, like we just did. Um, you can tell when people enjoy talking about a topic. I mean, me and Matt have had like one, one and a half hour shows, just me and him just like talking, you know, about how the week went in logistics. And yeah. I think if you enjoy a topic, then, you know, it really comes through as genuine. 
and you know the people that kind of are just there to just because they kind of think it's a good career move or good publicity i mean it really you can tell when somebody wants to do something and wants to be somewhere uh, as opposed to somebody just doing it you know as a career move absolutely well have a great uh thanks again for coming on and have a great rest of the week uh Bronley. and um yeah i'm sure we'll we'll talk in the future and you know, I was joking with Alex, you know, sometime in 2024, we're probably going to have to reach out to uh, you know, Megacorp's uh, CEO, Ryan, and get him on one of these weeks or try to. So, Yeah, no, absolutely. And I can definitely try to help get you where you need to go with that. So if you, you know, just let me know. But I really appreciate you guys again for letting me be on here, be on my first podcast ever. Like, I'll remember this forever. So um, <laughs> thank you again so much. Hey, and as a parting gift for me, um, if you could help me out and maybe ask somebody who does power only there, uh, then maybe shoot me that email because that'd be okay. awesome. Yeah, just okay. get like a nice firsthand connection into the. Well, yep. I'm sure some megacorp brokers are watching this, so I'm sure maybe there's some power only brokers. Whoever's handling the power only freight, send it to me, please. We're set up already. <laughs> no, sounds good. I, again, I really appreciate your all's time. You guys were a blast. I, I knew it would be. That's why I was so excited all week to get on here and talk because I've already talked to Matt before. So I was like, yeah. I knew it was well, thanks be. for coming on. You did a great job explaining, you know, megacorp's culture and process. And, um, you know, we'll see you around. I'll definitely keep in touch with you. All right, yeah, have a great day. Guys. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Okay. You too. Yeah, you too. All right. Well, that was fun. Dude, that's like the behind the scenes of a company I already enjoyed working with. Like, it's pretty dope, man. It's cool. Like this podcast, when we started it, we didn't really, we had like no goals and end game. And we just kind of had this idea to just go and start doing something we enjoy doing. And it's brought me specifically into conversations with people. I have like, no business being around or no like connection to get into to rooms with these types of people since obviously i'm not in the same industry um i i guess i am but on the opposite side of it yeah no it's it's really it's really cool it's you know and we mentioned it a couple times too but you know it's cool to have on our podcast because if anyone knows and follows you or follows me you know, we don't just, you know, blindly compliment companies and, you know, bring people yeah. on. Uh, I think it's the opposite. Promotion. Like if we say it, we actually mean it. So like, yeah, I think know. people think I'm fully the opposite. So, I mean, when I say I enjoy a company, there's no money involved. In that. There's no, there's nothing involved in my opinions. That's like, you know, something I like uh, to, to be able to say everything that I say is, you know, how I feel. And that's my opinion. And there's no external factors that are coming behind. You know, when, when you say HD Ships is our sponsor, we like them. I, I mean, you knew that. You explained it to me. I spoke with them. You know, I had a good feeling. Then we brought Ray on. I love that guy. I mean, we were only involved with people that, you know, we kind of believe in or stand behind. And uh, I mean, that's that's genuine things. You know, it's the, the real part of the show. We were talking about this today. I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, when you run a podcast, there's a lot of tech companies out there, tons and tons of tech companies. That's the most popular request. You know, we get to come on the show, but like we don't say yes all the time just because we don't want to turn our show into a tech central freight talk, you know, or whatever it'd be like the freight tech show, you know, um, there's some great tech companies we are going to have on, but, um, you know, we, we don't always say yes, you know, for that reason. Basically, I mean, you, you're kind of right in that fact, um, when you're running a podcast and we're obviously, we're starting to see a bit of traction here and there. YouTube's growing. We, we got the Spotify and Apple things and 
I mean, I think we're just getting kind of blasted with people that think this is just, you know, a place to come to promote the, themselves. And I mean, it's we're trying to keep it with people that, you know, are interesting to us or that we think viewers might not know much about. Or, I mean, we try to keep the show with uh, content that's genuine and um, not not just people coming on and, and just promoting themselves for an hour and then, <laughs> then getting out, you know? Yeah, I mean, we, we let people come on that we think positively that we want to promote. I mean, that was, you know, like when we had Mia on, you know, there's a million offshore companies, but like, I like what Swarks does, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think like another thing, there's timeline issues. I mean, you, you have obviously Matt handles basically all the scheduling. Um, I think people just think that we just kind of slap the show together day by day and we just randomly come up with guests. I mean, Matt's kind of been booking people in advance and. I mean, if somebody reaches out to me to, to be on the show, I'll tell them, yeah, let, let me talk to them out. Let's see the schedules. And I mean, you've done a good job keeping us busy, man, running one, two, sometimes three shows a week. Um, so, I mean, it's it's obviously we're going to try our best to, to bring on as many people as we can. Um, but we obviously, we're not going to go around five shows a week since this is during business hours. Um, you know, I have to work, other people have to work. And it's not always easy to, to get an hour or two in the middle of a day um, for guests or for me or for you, et cetera. So. I'll have to talk to you after the show, but I got, we might make an exception and do an evening show coming up soon. Um, <laughs> hey, we have a guest that a lot of people are going to want to want to hear from. And that's the thing too, is I think we were really, really, really trying to stay away from pre-recording stuff. I mean, not to, to throw any shade at people that do, you know, pre-recorded uh, content. Obviously it's much easier for scheduling purposes and you can edit them. And I just feel, I love the flow of our live shows. I love, you know, how, genuine the conversations get and when things get heated there's nowhere to go and when things are going great it's just more natural and and we're not kind of talking for an hour before i mean i that like 80 percent, 90 percent of our guests it's the first time i've ever talked to them. i talked to them two minutes before we go live and then it's just you know a, an organic conversation so. yeah it's it's free it's free flowing and i always joke with you but it, it shows that we really don't pre-do anything because uh when we had john on from hardy's I still love to bring up that you're like, well, I'm ending the stream, man. If you want to talk, let's talk later. I'm done with this Harvey's thing. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll,